And the thing is, after all these years, I still look back with wonder. Hey there, Wonderlings. This is Angela Bowen, the host of Looking Back on My Wonder Years, a Wonder Years podcast. Well, today... I've decided since I released the re-released the Labor Day episode, I want to re-release the three episode Back to School Wonder Years Back to School special because I really enjoyed it and I thought, why not? It's first day of school for a lot of kids, and I just thought that or that they would get a kick out of hearing this again. So this. Three episode Back to School special includes the episodes Season 3, Episode 2, entitled Math Class, which aired on October 10th, 1989. In this episode, Kevin is having problems in his new math class, and he thinks that it's because his teacher, Mr. Collins, is completely unreasonable. The next episode, Season 4, Episode 2, entitled Ninth Grade Man, which aired on September 26, 1990. On his first day of the ninth grade, Kevin is bullied out of his locker, humiliated by Becky Slater, scheduled for the wrong class, and meets a new girl who diverts his attention away from thinking of Winnie, who is now at a different school. Yes, this is where we meet the harlot, Madeline Adams. Madeline, Madeline Adams. And, of course, the last episode, Season 5, Episode 2, entitled Day 1, which aired on October 9th, 1991. In this episode, on its first day of high school, Kevin quickly realizes that it is not quite the same as junior high, where he knew everyone and was a high man on the totem pole. Really, Kevin? Really? You're giving yourself that much clout? Whatever. He is followed by an annoying classmate, Stuart Carpazian. Oh, I love this boy. I wish we had him on as a regular. Bullied by Wayne and picked on by an egotistical teacher, Mr. Botner. That P.O.S. teacher. So that being said, guys, I hope you enjoy this three-episode special. You have it in that you all have a great first day of school. All right, bye-bye. Hey there, Wonderlings. Happy back to school day. I know, I know. Boo. I'm your host, Angela Bowen, and like, (laughs) excuse me, and welcome to another episode of Looking Back on My Wonder Years, a Wonder Years podcast. Today, I thought we'd kick off the new school year with a back to school Wonder Years special with three episodes. Season three, episode two, math class. Season four, episode one, ninth grade man. And season five, episode two, day one. In these three episodes, we see Kevin facing a new school year and the trials that come with starting a new grade, new challenges, new bullies, new friends, and new girls. All right, let's kick this special off with the first of the three episodes, Season 3, Episode 2, entitled Math Class, which aired on October 10th, 1989. Kevin is having problems in his new math class, and he thinks that it's because his teacher is being completely unreasonable. All right, so before I get started, I just want to let you guys know I am going through three episodes, so settle in, get your iPod or your SoundCloud account. All ready to go, sit back in a chair, relax, or take me along on a nice drive. Whatever you're doing today, whether you're going back to school or going to work or whatever after the holiday weekend, 
just sit back and enjoy because we got a long three episodes to go through it. And we, I had a lot of fun going through this stuff, guys. A lot of fun. All right. So, the episode opens with a space shuttle landing. Overhead, we hear adult Kevin talking about the transition from summer to fall being a tricky one, and he compares the two astronauts returning from space because they had to re-enter the atmosphere. Basically, Kevin's comparing it to re-entering the atmosphere of school carefully so the sudden change in pressure doesn't kill them. We see a space shuttle landing safely in the water, and then people in the space program congratulating each other. Then we morph into the next scene as Kevin and Paul are in the school hallway saying hey and shaking hands with fellow students as they walk the halls. Kevin and Paul look at a couple 7th graders like they just came out of kindergarten. Then the boys notice the 7th grade girls and how the two girls look at them and walk away talking and whispering excitedly like, Eighth grade boys. Oh, they're so cute. Then the bell rings and the boys laugh and rush up the stairs to get to class. In the first class, we see Kevin in. He's sitting on the floor. I notice the teacher's desk has a lot of apples on it. I don't think I ever gave my teacher an apple. Kevin tells us that in social studies, they talked about Woodstock from a teacher who looks just fresh out of college and she's covered in peace sign necklaces and beads. She wraps her arms around herself as she seems to be talking about how the music touched her or moved her intensely. I wonder if Karen knows this girl. Now we move on to P.E. with Coach Cutliff again as we see him explaining the ropes that are attached to the ceiling that the kids are going to learn to climb. I think I might have to do that. I think... I don't know if I had to do that or not. I don't... Maybe not, but I can't remember. I remember that if I did, I'm sure my hands got rope burns. Alright. Alright, in French class, we see the kids slide... Oh, excuse me. In the French class, the teacher shows the kids slides from her trip to France, and the next slide that pops up shows her getting necked by a guy in a beret on a park bench. Ooh la la. <laughs> um, didn't she check these first before she put them in to the slide reel? Guess not. I guess French class is going to turn into sex ed now. Because, uh, oh, and Kevin's look of face like, oh, what is this? Like, come on, lady. Yeah, sure, you want to show your, show off your slides to Paris. But do you got to have it where you're practically getting it on with some strange French guy in a beret on a park bench? No. All right, now we've entered the dreaded math class. Ah! And meet Mr. Collins, played by Stephen Gilborn. R.I.P. Rest in peace. He died in 2009. Wow, I mean, that's almost 10 years ago in, two, in less than two years. He's been in a lot of stuff, according to his IMDb page. A lot of official types. Mainly, he played doctors with PhDs, psychiatrists. But I pretty much remember him from the Wonder Years, even though he only had a three-episode arc. And then, you know, they end up giving him a tremendous send-off in Season 3, Episode 20, the episode Goodbye, where, spoiler alert, he dies. I think he died of cancer or complications due to his heart, maybe a heart attack. He looked pretty old. I know... I'll know more when I review the episode later on this year. I also want to note that I also remember him from the Brady Bunch movies that came out in 90. 
um, 95 and 96, he played Mike Brady's boss, Mr. Phillips. He quiets the class down, telling them to take their seats and open their books to page 16, chapter 1, on variables. Mm. Chapter 1 doesn't start until page 16. What's the rest of the pages filled with? Copyright, dedication, table of contents, etc., and a lot of blank pages, I guess. I looked up what a variable was, because I don't know what the hell it is. I didn't learn it in school. A variable is an alphabetic character representing a number called the value of the variable, which is either arbitrary or not fully specified or unknown. Wow, I don't know what the fuck that means. Now, I had to look up, like I said, I, I looked up the definition for variable because I had never learned it that in school. The definition alone makes my skin crawl. I had enough problems with fractions when I was taking a college math class. Hold on a second here. I gotta get my uh, power cable. I do want to apologize for not getting this out sooner. Um, it's 1.40 right now and I gotta head out at 2.20. So I ain't gonna try to, I don't want to rush, rush through the episodes, but I really want to get it out today. That's the whole point. First day of school for pretty much everybody now. Um... My husband, Jeremy, had got me hooked on this reality show on USA called Crisly Knows Best, or Crisly Knows Best, and I was, there's a marathon on it yesterday because the new season's starting up, and I'm like, ah, I gotta shut this off or I'll never get these notes done. So, alrighty, let's, let's jump on with this. Alright. Anyway, Kevin and Paul are still standing, and Kevin asks Paul... Who is this guy? Mr. Collins introduces himself to the class and writes his name on the blackboard. That man must have supersonic hearing to pick that up. Mr. Collins wastes no time beginning the lesson as Kevin flips through his book to get to the right page. That sounds like a real stressor right there. Like the teacher speeds through the chapter as you're trying to keep up. My anxiety levels would be through the roof. Mr. Collins isn't even really explaining what he's writing on the board or breaking down the steps. He's just jumping right into it, almost like they should technically already know the material he's teaching. He then turns to the class and asks if anyone knows the answer, and the class just kind of looks around at each other dumbfounded. Then a girl raises her hand, and you think she has the answer, but instead she asks him, How did you learn how to draw such neat circles? At this, Kevin just kind of peers over her shoulder because he's like right directly behind her like huh who the hell is this girl mr collins just brushes off the question by telling her it's not necessary to draw perfect circles to do the problems correctly and it will not affect your grade well at least he didn't make her feel stupid then another kid asked if this is the kind of stuff you can learn can use to learn tom Seaver's earn run average he tells them no that would be simple arithmetic and then paul pfeiffer looking wannabe this paul pfeiffer looking wannabe is raising his hand going oh 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 and by this time at this point collins has had enough of the questions distracting from his lesson i mean a question about circles and then one about baseball i wonder what this guy's question would have been i kind of wonder if he had to pee i mean if he's like i can't the class goes on as Collins writes out equations and whatnot on the board, and all the while, the kids are bored and tired with their heads down on their arms or desks as he drones on. One kid asks Kevin what page they're on, and Collins doesn't even turn around. He says, no talking. 
Kevin looks at Paul like, really, who is this guy? And then out of thin air, Collins appears next to Kevin's desk and asks him, do you have a problem? Kevin mutters, no, no. And luckily is saved from further explanation by the bell. The kids gather their belongings to hustle out the door, but not before Collins assigns them homework on the first day. Gah! We never had homework on the first day. Maybe by the end of the week we did. Because basically the first day and the first week is kind of a refresher course. And then you start getting assignments assigned to you. Paul even asks Kevin, what's the story with this guy? And He's going to kill us. And Kevin tells Paul, don't worry about him. Like what? Kevin can handle him? I don't get it. <laughs> well, maybe he's preparing you for when you enter high school math and eventually college math. And that will be a real bitch, that math. Then we get over to the first day pretty quickly, and now we're in the Arnold's living room as we see a close-up of Wayne's slurping ice cream or something out of a giant bowl. Norma asks how his first day of high school was. So Wayne's in 10th grade and Kevin is in 8th? Okay, so they're two years apart. I could have sworn I thought they were at least three years apart. Wayne just looks at her like, huh? That's about all they get out of him. Then Kevin pipes up saying, I had a good day. English, French... Math. Wait a minute. Wait. When did he have math? That was social studies we saw. Maybe English happened off screen? Norman and Jack just sit there grinning proudly. Aw, what a smart good boy we have. We have one smart good boy and one dumb dumb over there. Wayne tells him, eh, I gotta go meet Dolores, who's played by Juliet Lewis. And Jack tells him, no, 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 not on a school night. On school nights, we do homework. Wayne complains that, what about him? He's not doing any homework. And Jack just looks at Wayne telling him, never mind about him. When you're getting Kevin's grades, we'll talk. And I'm over here like, oh snap, <laughs> he brought it. Kevin decides to start off the year right by boning up on some math and thinks how great it would be to start off the year with an ace. Then he thinks, eh, maybe a B, B plus. Then in the next scene, we hear the psycho music as Kevin gets his paper back, and it's a D. Kevin sits there in shock at getting a D on his pop quiz. That's got to be devastating as hell, especially when you've never gotten one. Which Kevin mentions he hadn't before. He usually was probably a C student. The class ends, and Kevin decides to go to Collins for confirmation and understanding for his grade, thinking maybe there might have been a mistake. Kevin brings it to his attention, thinking the grade may be wrong, and Collins realizes it is, but to Kevin's horror, his grade goes from a D to a D minus due to another question that was answered wrong. Or either that or it just wasn't completed all the way. Excuse me. Kevin wants to find out why he got a wrong grade, being he'd always done well in math. Collins brings up a study group, which he... Teaches on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Hearing this, Kevin seems to take immediate offense to this. He's just trying to help, Kev. He's not out to make you feel stupid or inferior. Take the added support. I don't know whether Kevin's trying to be charming here. He thinks it's ridiculous having a quiz on the second day of school. Kevin brings up how he doesn't see himself as a D student. And how he might not have been pre prepared for a quiz this early. Therefore, he couldn't show his true potential. Mr. Collins tells Kevin, well, I look forward to seeing improvement on future tests then. I like this Mr. Collins teacher. He's not out to be your friend. He's making it so you realize your full potential and 
is there basically to help you reach that level. I think this teacher-student relationship is really going to shine in the few episodes we see Collins in. He leaves a lasting impression on Kevin and... Excuse me. He leaves a lasting impression on him and to what Kevin can do when he puts his all and determination to work. That's what Kevin decides to do after his conversation with Collins. We see him at the dining room table cracking the books. Jack watches Kevin from the doorway and offers words of encouragement and then gives him a pat on the back as he walks past him. Aw, what a sweet moment. Jack might not do this very often, but when he does, it hits all the feels. Kevin sits there smiling to himself as he promises to do better on the next test and show Collins what he's made of. Then we hear again that psycho music as he gets a test paper back and what do you know, it's another D. If he had really studied and gotten a D, I'd be heartbroken and not to mention pissed as hell. I'm guessing either Kevin thinks he's I'm guessing either Kevin thinks he's grasping the material and he really isn't, or he's not showing all of his work. And the lunch line Kevin fires off one volley after another to Paul, ranting about Collins being unreasonable and ha- and the lack of logic of having a pop quiz every day. Yeah, that just seemed a bit much. But Kevin sees Paul is getting the work when he glimpses the A on his last quiz. Paul looks embarrassed when Kevin looks at his paper like, I'm sorry, I got an A. Then Paul leaves to get some dessert. You know what I noticed in this scene? There's a girl off camera sitting next to Kevin, and you can only see her elbow, but the funny thing is, he's sitting next to a girl and not checking her out at all. He must be really bumming about that grade. Now Kevin's sitting in his room, ruminating over his poor score and how he can get his grade up. Jack knocks on the door and invites Kevin to get ice cream with the family, and Kevin turns him down, telling him, I gotta study. And Jack mentions, oh... Gonna ace another one, huh? Smiling. I'd be like, yeah, I wish. Or, I'd like to. <laughs> As Jack turns to go, Kevin calls off to him, but then Kevin just tells him, hmm, nothing. Jack tells him, don't work too hard. I feel bad for Kevin. I mean, he really is trying, even though, even through the struggling, and it's not paying off. I hope he takes advantage of the extra help and get to get a better grade. In class the next day, Kevin continues to struggle when he is called on to answer a question and answers it incorrectly. But Paul happens to get it correct, feeling even more slated than he already does. At dinner the next night, as Kevin is sitting there, his mother asks how school is going and he tells her fine. Then Norma starts asking about the lemonade in the form of an equation complete with Twilight Zone music and Kevin quickly snaps out of that. Turns out she was just asking if he wanted lemonade. Now, don't get me wrong. You know, I like lemonade. I don't have it very often. I definitely wouldn't have it as my choice dinner beverage. I normally drink pop, sometimes milk. Hey, you know, I probably even prefer water over lemonade. Because lemonade, it makes you really thirsty. I think it makes your throat dry, too. While at the drinking fountain at school the next day, Kevin decides to take a peek in Collins' after-school study group. To his shock, he sees a smattering of students who... He deems not too bright to be learning from Collins regarding math. Kevin backs away from the door, and when he turns around, Collins is there, and he asks Kevin if he'll be joining them. Kevin tells him no. He just forgot something in his class and holds up his pencil. Collins mentions that he'll be giving a major test the following week and suggests Kevin take him up on the extra study study session to pull his grade up. 
Exactly. Whether or not he wants to admit it, Kevin needs this class. I know it's hard to swallow that pride and accept and admit when you need help. But this is only junior high math. This is only the beginning as you will get into harder classes once you get to high school and college. May as well try to get a grasp on it since it's being offered to you. Kevin tells him, no thanks. Mistake there, Kev. And he leaves. Colin just looks at Kevin for a second like, I think you're making a mistake by not doing this. But then he just goes into the classroom. Kevin and Paul are playing base basketball behind the house, and Kevin keeps knocking Paul down as he makes shot after shot, beating him 15 to nil. Then he wonders why Paul doesn't want to play another round after getting knocked to the ground repeatedly. I'm like, uh, no thank you. Paul tells Kevin he has to study for the test. Paul even offers to study with Kevin, and immediately Kevin takes offense to that. Damn, damn it, Kevin. People all around you are offering you support and you will not take them up on the help. I mean, what does he enjoy failing? Swallow that big ball of pride and take the offered help. Paul turns to go, but Kevin jumps on him, calling him a mathlete and for being sorry he's not as mathletic as Paul. Paul's like, Kevin, don't go there. Why are you being this way? Take your insecurities and shove them up your ass. I'll leave you to your pity party of one. The big test day arrives and Kevin looks at the sheet of paper trying to find something that's familiar. And then he flips over to the next page, noting ma nothing making sense there. He feels the panic set in as he glances down at the other as he glances at the other students all writing down answers. Beads of sweat visibly gather on his forehead. I've had test anxiety too, especially in that college math class I took. I'd study and then my mind would go blank when I'd look at the test. Full-blown panic would set in as the clock ticked by my heart would race knowing I was basically running out of time. Just like Kevin, maybe he should have taken that extra help because studying on his own isn't helping and now he's going to do terrible. He looks over at Paul's paper and then I'm thinking... Is he really going to cheat? Paul looks over at Kevin like he could feel his eyes on him, and Paul actually covers his paper. Kevin feels absolutely low at this point. Kevin just sits in his chair through the bell rings, and the kids all pour out of the room, and there Kevin sits with his hand on his head in frustration and defeat. He goes up to Mr. Collins, hands him his paper, telling him, don't bother grading it. It's an F. Since he didn't answer any of the questions. I'm going to play this clip where Kevin tells Mr. Collins how he's struggling in math and doesn't get it. I like how Collins crumples up Kevin's blank test and basically tells Kevin, Alright, now you're ready to start. And Kevin looks at him bewildered, saying, I just told you I failed. And Collins looks at Kevin with a smile and tells him not to worry. There'll be another test in two weeks. In other words, he's giving Kevin another chance to take the test over. What a great teacher. You don't need to grade it. I got an F. I didn't answer any of the questions. I don't understand math. I'm, I'm lousy at it. I I have absolutely no idea what I'm doing. Good. 
Now in his room, Kevin is really distressed and Jack comes in and asks Kevin how everything's going. Kevin just looks at him, gives him a look that's so sad, and then Jack realizes that something's up with his son. And he comes and doesn't say anything, but he puts a reassuring hand on Kevin's shoulder. Almost like, it'll be alright, Kev. Just keep plugging along, it'll come to you in time. In math class, Collins calls on Kevin to answer a question, and we see by Paul's face that Kevin got it wrong. But that look of encouragement um, that Paul has, he is an awesome friend, just mouthing the words, like, come on. Collins tells Kevin, all right, try again. Kevin looks down at his paper and gives him the correct answer, and Collins tells him, correct. Paul's ecstatic and beaming and shares a congratulatory Congratulatory, I cannot say this word. Congratulatory, what? You know what? He congrat. He gives him a congratulatory look with Kevin, who smiles back. It's like ah. This episode ends with Kevin studying in his room, but this time his dad is there to offer him a hand. What a great way to close out an episode. A father and son moment between Jack and Kevin. Time for my Flower Power episode rating. I'm giving it 3 out of 5 Flower Power petals. 1. Kevin's starting a new school year and we get to see some new teachers. 2. Kevin actually struggling at something and making him seem relatable to young viewers who also may struggle in school. 3. For Jack encouraging Kevin throughout the episode and then helping Kevin during the closing the closeout scene. I knocked off two flower power petals because of Kevin hassling Paul about his high school math grade and also because he crossed the line with his friendship with Paul by almost cheating off his paper. Paul's look of hurt and betrayal that his friend would resort to that is sad, especially after, after he offered to study with Kevin and Kevin turned him down. My wondering words of wisdom for this episode. Just because you need a tutor or ask for extra help in class doesn't make you stupid or less of a person. It just means you're not giving up and you're willing to do whatever it takes to improve and better yourself. Alright, let's move on to Season 4, Episode 2, Ninth Grade Man, which aired on September 26, 1990. In this episode, on his first day of ninth grade, Kevin is bullied out of his locker, humiliated by Becky Slater, uh, scheduled for the wrong class and meets he meets a new girl who diverts his attention away from thinking of Winnie who is now at a different school we open up with adult Kevin telling us how life was simple and then evolution happened we see some blob thing under a microscope a lava blob or some milky white blob and then some ice breaking off from a glacier then we see some claymation dinosaurs attacking each other, and then the long neck throws the T-Rex off a cliff. Hey, kind of like in the Land Before Time movie. Then we see a picture of the, of the world as Kevin tells us big changes were coming. Then we get a shot of the Earth from space. Then that Earth turns into a pizza on the wall at a local pizza restaurant, and we center on Kevin Arnold, and he tells us of becoming a ninth grade man in the fall of 1970. I went into ninth grade in 1997, 20 years ago now. Wow, that has time gone. Where has the time gone? So according to Kevin, we're in Woody's Pizza Barn. Woody, hey, do you think Buzz will be there too? We see Kevin carrying a pizza and a picture of Pop. What do you think it is, Coke or Pepsi? Behind Kevin's head, we see the pickup window, and we see three pizza sizes indicating 
indicated by the metal pans below the counter range from small to medium and large. We see Winnie and then Paul at the table. Paul's complaining of patchy dry spots on his face. Could it be eczema or just a rash from stressing? With Paul, who knows? I bet Kevin got a large pizza since it's the three of them and boys can put away a large pizza just by themselves. Kevin tells Paul just to relax and he's probably having back to school jitters and tomorrow he'll be back to normal. Paul continues to freak out thinking about if he wears the wrong clothes or the worries and other worries so he leaves to go put on some ointment on his face. Oh my lord. Paul, you've done this back-to-school thing for a while now. What exactly is different? You'll be fine. All this worrying is going to give you wrinkles or possibly send you to an early grave. Winnie is wearing this unattractive plain, bleh, plain Jane dress. I did not like it. Like, ugh. Winnie expresses her fears to Kevin about starting at a new school with new classes and new people. Kevin calms her fears, telling her she'll be fine and there's no reason the kids won't like her. Then she mentions how Kevin will be so far away and asks, You won't forget to think about me, will you? She lives, what, ten miles away, just outside the school district that she has to go to a different school? Well, how come later on she and Kevin in tenth grade in the high school go to the same high school? Did the district lines get redrawn in that time? Winnie, like every needy girlfriend that has come before or after her, tells him to think about her every hour on the hour. Damn, good thing they didn't have cell phones back then. She'd probably tell him to text her every hour on the hour. Winnie is stressing way too much. It's going to be just fine. It'll be alright. Please, Winnie, don't be that girlfriend. You're better than that. Winnie lays her head on Kevin's shoulder and Kevin has his arm around, wrapped around her shoulder. Probably thinking if the world ended tomorrow, he would die a happy man. As long as he has this moment to cling to. We hear the slam of a locker and see this muscle meathead named Tony Barbella tell Kevin that his locker now belongs to him. And Paul whispers to Kevin, I thought he graduated. Tony tells him, I graduate every year. Really? So you just come back for nostalgia purposes now? I mean, what are you, 20? Why the hell do they have new lockers? I don't think I ever used my locker in school except to hang a picture in it. Now that I think back on it, I don't even remember having a locker in 8th grade. If I did, wait, maybe I did. You know, oh hell, I don't know. I'm not sure. If I did, I don't think I used it that often. In high school, we kept the same locker through all four years of school. I remember my grandma taking me to high school to see where my classes were. And my locker was on the other side of the school from where my classes were. I took my coat and bag to class, and then Columbine happened in 99, and I couldn't take my bag and coat to class anymore. After that, there was talk for the following year, we wouldn't, we would have to have see-through clear bags, and we couldn't have our coats in class. Luckily, the following year, we, yes, we had regular school bags. They, they didn't push it like that. We didn't have metal detectors either. Kevin tries to divert the situation and tells Tony, oh, um, yeah, your locker, it's, it's just over there, as he points to across the, across the hallway. And, uh, Tony's like, oh yeah, uh, I guess I got two lockers now, huh? Well, that just blew up in Kevin's face. Kevin starts to stutter a complaint and tells Tony if he has a, uh, and Tony tells him if he has a problem, he'll just have to bend his thumb back to his elbow. Kevin, Kevin tells him, uh, help yourself. Well, his first day is off to a rocky start, so Kevin decides to find a locker of his own somewhere. 
else. When he does find one, it's quickly slammed shut, and we find Becky Slater, who has already laid claim to the locker. Damn, this girl got tall! She sneers at Kevin, telling him she hates him, and Kevin looks at her dumb, dumb struck, like, uh, it's like, uh, what did I do? She just continues to glower at him, as if you don't know. Don't play dumb with me, Kevin. You introduced us, she tells him. Paul just shakes his head in disgust like he already knows. As they walk away, Kevin asks him what that was all about, and Paul tells him that Craig Hobson dumped her and got sent to military school. Now, I don't start season three till October, so we haven't met Craig yet when it comes to this podcast. Now, this guy is a major dickhead from what I remember, and I was not, I'm not a fan of this dude. Kevin hears a locker slam and turns to see Becky as she evilly smiles back at him, telling him it's his fault. And she doesn't get mad. She gets even as she shoves the boys aside, walking through them. In the next scene, here's something I had to do in school, but kids today don't know about, saying the Pledge of Allegiance in school. After Kevin sits down, he turns his head to the right, and that's when he spots her, the girl who will drive the wedge between him and Winnie. Miss Madeline Adams. Don't trust that smile. She's a harpy homewrecker in disguise. Now, to me, not to mention, she looks and dresses like she's in her early 20s. She does not look 14. She certainly doesn't dress like she is. Kevin practically blows a gasket in his pants when he sees her, at a loss for world, words and drool dripping down his chin. Her pencil ends up rolling off her desk, and he picks it up as he lifts his head. He glimpses her long legs from beneath her skirt. What a horn dog of a teenager. He hands her the pencil as he introduces himself, and when she grabs it from him, we hear an electrical shock pass through the pencil. Kevin then faces front. That's when Madeline pulls out her schedule and asks him if her next class is located across, across the quad. And she says this, as she says this, their heads are mere inches from each other in the aisle. All of a sudden, the bell rings, signaling the end of homeroom. I <laughs> look at the clock. It's 8 o'clock in the fucking morning. I had showed this to Jeremy. What the hell time does school start? School for me in high school started 7.45, 7.55. Was this class only 20 minutes long? Darn it, Kevin complains, and we see it's one minute after 8, so he forgot to think about Winnie at 8 o'clock. Paul comes up to him complaining about his schedule and how he got put in chemistry. It's something new. Give it a try, Paul. Kevin asks what's wrong with that, and Paul tells him about being allergic to chemicals and reminds him of his issues with soap. Paul complains about this year being off to a crappy start and asks Kevin about his schedule. Kevin looks at it, and he sees he's in industrial arts or shop class. Did they just get their schedules that day? I got my schedule in the mail in junior high and high school in the mail in August. Getting their class schedule on the first day of school is nuts. So Kevin decides to get a schedule change because he feels he was put in the class by mistake. And he goes to see the teacher, Mr. Nestor. He finds some kid wearing goggles and shows him his schedule telling him, you know, it's a mistake. And the kid just kind of laughs at him, telling him that's what they all say. Now, if this kid does look familiar, it's because Blake Soper was on the show Boy Meets World as one of the bullies, Joey, for 16 episodes between 94 and 98. 
Kevin asks if there's a teacher he can speak to, and the kid tells him, yeah, Nestor, <laughs> but <laughs> you don't want to talk to Nestor, basically implying there's something not right with the guy. The kid thumbs over his shoulder at some old man who looks well past retirement age, lifting a piece of heavy machinery as the shop kids all cheer him on. The old man who plays the shop teacher is played by actor Charles Tyner. I recognize him from Little House on the Prairie Season 9 as Charles Ingalls' employer in Home Again Part 1 and Part 2. And the guy was an asshole to Charles for not selling, because Charles didn't sell an expensive hat to a customer. Then the actor played a motel owner in the movie Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. He was a decent guy in that movie. And this, however, when Kevin tries to talk to him about being in the wrong class and getting a schedule change, he, this guy is deaf as shit. He's basically saying, What? Huh? Mistake? What? Basically, he tells Kevin the only way to get out of the class is for Kevin to beat him at arm wrestling. Kevin just looks at this guy like, Yeah, I'm not doing that. Now during lunch, Paul is enamored by his chemistry class. Guess he's not allergic after all. While Paul is orgasming over the joy of learning chemistry, Kevin is still without a locker. So these kids get to pick their locker and he can't find one in this whole damn school. Then it dawns on Kevin to share with Paul, who looks at Kevin like he just asked if he could share a kidney. Paul's like, I guess I could make some room for you in the back. In the corner somewhere. Kevin's finally like, uh, just forget it. After Paul asks how long Kevin plans to room with him on the locker storage. Kevin just sits there holding what looks like a leaky milk carton. And suddenly someone takes it from him and tips it upside down onto his lunch. No surprise here, it's Becky Slater. Who declares, I hate men. Good for you, Becky. Now, why don't you take your man-hating self somewhere away from me? We see Kevin in French class being taught by the actress who played a cage dancer turned loan officer who approved Uncle Jesse's loan to buy the Smash Club in Season 7 of Full House. The teacher tells the class that from here on out, they're only going to talk in French. If this is French 101, that might be a problem. During 1 o'clock, Kevin remembers to think about Winnie, but his thoughts are once again disrupted by an angelic voice turning out to be Madeline, who is also in his French class. Oh, brother. Sorry about that long pause, everybody. <laughs> I thought I paused it. Time for my Flower Power episode rating. I'm giving this episode 2 out of 5 Flower Power petals. 1 for Kevin being a good, comforting boyfriend to Winnie, calming her fears, her fears of a new school. And 2 for Kevin being a good, comforting friend to Paul. I knocked off 3 Flower Power petals for Betty Slater's Vendetta Against Kevin and Men in general, adding to the misery of his first day. Example, pouring milk on his lunch and slugging him in the stomach. The introduction to Madeline, the harpy who I feel breaks up Kevin and Winnie, or at least contributes to the downfall of their relationship. The damn P.E. teacher for just laughing and shaking her head at Kevin when, Bucky, uh, bleh, when Becky slugs him in the stomach? What the hell? I'm sure Becky doesn't get reprimanded afterwards. Alright, my wonderling words of wisdom. Don't worry if your first day of school is a flop. You still have nine months to make it better, or at least maybe have a better day. My quote of the episode. Narrator. Ninth grade man. Noble. Upright. Virtuous. I went into my last year of junior high thinking I knew I... 
thinking I knew all the answers, and suddenly all I had was questions, plus a dislocated thumb. It's funny. I remember the time when I was, when I knew who I was, but that was eight hours ago. Suddenly I felt on the outside looking in, looking for Winnie. I wanted to tell her everything, every bit of it, all the setbacks, all the screw-ups. Heck, I knew she'd understand. After all, when you're 14, you can't always put words to life. All I knew was I felt home again. All right. So we are going to move on to our last Back to School episode, Season 4, Episode 5, Day 1, which aired on October 9th, 1991. In this episode on his first day at high school, Kevin quickly realizes... There's my timer. <clears throat> Kevin quickly realizes it is not quite the same as junior high, where he had, where he knew everyone and was the high man on the totem pole. He is followed by an annoying classmate, bullied by Wayne, and picked on by an egotistical teacher. Alright, Wonderlings, I'm back from a day at work. Let's move on to our last back-to-school episode, Season 5, Episode 2, Day 1. Alright, so we open up the episode with Kevin in a dream sequence being later being late for school excuse me he opens up a door that just leads to another hallway and so on and so on until he wakes up then the credits start so was this a cold open (laughs) kevin tells us that the year is 1971 and what was going on at that time we see vietnam vets a march for women power or women's power Janice Joplin, people trying to break new ground, and people out to discover new things and find themselves. We see Kevin standing outside the high school as he begins 10th grade at William McKinley Senior High. Hey, you think he goes to school with the, the cast of Glee? <laughs> William McKinley! As Kevin navigates his way through the crowded hallway, he notes the hippies with their G-fros and long hair and other new styles and trends. As he looks for his locker, he tells us how Paul is off to prep school for the year. As Kevin opens his locker, he checks out the pretty brunette several lockers down from him. Then, all of a sudden, this floppy-haired kid steps into his field of vision and introduces himself as Stuart Carpazian and asks if Kevin remembers him. And then he proceeds to go into a story of the field trip to the zoo in fourth grade. You know what? I'm just going to play this kid's introduction because he is the coolest, funniest guy. I wish they had made him a regular for the show in in this fifth season, but I guess they already had the people they were going to use. Just like Margaret Farquaad from season two. Alrighty, righty. I'll be right back, guys. Kevin Arnold? Stuart Carpazian! Remember me? We both had Miss Rita for fourth grade. Oh, hi, Stuart. Wow, it's good to see you. You're probably wondering what happened to me. See, my dad got a job in Tucson when I was in fifth grade, so we moved. But I'm back now. Jujubi? No, thanks. So, how's your mom? Hey, remember when she chaperoned our field trip to the zoo? And the elephants are doing it? Jeez, was this kid blind? Couldn't he see what was happening here? that time you came down with the Hong Kong flu? Here she came. It was right after lunch. Fish, sticks, and peas, and you threw up all over your desk. Stuart! Well, I gotta go to class now. It's been nice talking to you. 
see you later. I almost used the scene about the zoo for a ringtone for my phone once. It's that good. You can thank me later when you're on the floor laughing. You're good. When you're on the floor laughing. He basically cockblocks Kevin, mentioning their trip to the zoo in the fourth grade and seeing the elephants fucking, and Kevin getting the Hong Kong flu and throwing up all over his desk. The girl, utterly grossed out, just breezes past Kevin with a look of utter disgust on her face. Kevin chastises Stuart, like, Stuart? But, of course, he uh, Stuart pays no never mind and takes off for class. Like, yeah, see you later. Like, damage is already done. Then Kevin heads to class thinking he'll never see Stuart again since it's a big school and there are a lot of kids, so the odds are in his favor. But who happens to take the desk across from him but Stuart fucking Carpazian? And he wastes no time picking up where he left off with Kevin Arnold embarrassing stories. He's got a million of them and we're gonna hear them all. Well, we'll hear a few. <laughs> well, until Kevin tells him, class is going to start, and they both face front. Enter one sideburned, assholic teacher from hell, hell-bent on making Kevin Arnold's first day of high school rival his day from hell from the first day of ninth grade from season four. His name is Mr. Botner, and he starts off his class with Botner's Law. Gah, he's one of those, huh? He teaches U.S. government. Thank you that we only thank you that we only see this guy for one episode. I personally think this guy needs a dose of Bart Simpson to knock him on his ass. Too bad it's not 1991; it's only 1971. What is with the fucking mutton chops on this guy? Get a load of that turtleneck under that blazer. Blech. He goes over his rules. Number one, at 825, the doors are locked and no one gets in and no one gets out. Does this mean for the whole class, period? What if someone has an emergency or explosive diarrhea and they have to go? Number two, due to an inner ear injury sustained at the Pusan beachhead, he tells them that they should all refrain from making any sudden noises and the 2000 range kill a cycle. I looked up kilocycle. The definition is a unit equal to a thousand cycles, used especially in radio as a thousand cycles per second for expressing the frequency of electromagnetic waves. And I looked up this place, um, the Pusan Beachhead, which is located in South Korea but is now known as Busan. He tells them and then repeats, do I do not do I repeat, do not rip your pages out of spiral notebooks. Seeing the class basically look at each other like, well, they all have spiral notebooks. I want to play this guy's introduction to the class, so I will be right back. Buenos dias. My name is Mr. Botner. This is U.S. government. Okay, finally. So, here are the rules. Roman numeral I. Rules. Numero uno. Botner's Law. At 825, the doors are locked. No one gets in, no one gets out. Numero dos. Due to an inner ear injury sustained at the Pusan beachhead. We shall all refrain from making any sudden noises in the 2,000 kilocycle range. That means, do not. I repeat, do not rip 
the paper from spiral notebooks. Comprende? Hmm. Now, can anyone tell me the name of this country's living document? Anyone? No one? Grubner. Um, uh. Good job. Cleo. Uh, I'm not sure. <laughs> Perfect. Carpazan. Uh, that's Carpazian, sir. What did you say? Uh, it's not important. The answer to the question is the con to and speaking of the Constitution, this might be a good time to tell you about meeting the 39th Vice President of the United States, Spiro T. Agnew. I was one of only 900 teachers selected to have lunch at the White House. The real White House. And there you had it. It was pretty obvious that the man teaching us all about freedom was nothing but a petty dictator. And that's when we realized, for the next five months, we'd be held hostage while this guy strutted and preened and perpetrated his little power plays and told and retold his crowning life achievement, meeting Spiro T. Agnew. And then, during dessert, which included a generous portion of Cherry's Jubilee, the vice president himself came over to my table, shook my hand. And do you know what he said? Huh? Of course, we didn't. Still, it seemed like some kind of response was called for here. I can't believe I ate the whole thing. <laughs> he asks a question about the Constitution, then goes into a story about his meeting with the 39th Vice President of the United States, Spiro T. Agnew. He tells him he was one out of 900 teachers selected at the White House, or to go to the White House. Kevin tells us this guy's basically just a petty dictator who they will be stuck with for five months. Ugh. Botner sits on Stewart's desk facing Kevin and asks the class if they knew, if they know what Sparrow Agnew said to him after he shook Botner's hand and no one answers except Kevin who says, I can't believe I ate the whole thing. Now, I've heard this term before. I looked it up, and it looks like it came from an Elka-Seltzer commercial in the 1970s. Well, this gets a laugh out of the class. Botner just looks at Kevin like, oh, this wise guy. And then he, want, he basically just goes back to his desk. He doesn't even give the actual answer. Not that anyone really gives a shit. I mean, I don't. Kevin goes up to apologize after the class for ruining his story, and Botner's peel basically is just sitting there peeling an orange. He looks at Kevin like he's pretty much over it already. Anyway, he's like, uh, so? Kevin tells him, so I guess I'll see you tomorrow? And Botner just smiles at Kevin. You bet. He has this look on his face like, I am gonna make your life a living hell, little boy. Kevin's walking down the steps and is stopped in his tracks by Wayne and Wart, who tell him he's standing on the seal of McKinley High, the sacred seal, and Kevin looks down and sees McKinley stamped into the floor under his feet. 
They tell him only seniors are allowed to walk on the seal. Kevin looks at them like they're crazy, calling them out on their bullshit. Wayne explains that protecting the emblem, the seal, is a sacred tradition passed down from one senior class to the next. Kevin tries to push his way through, but Wayne pushes him up against the locker and tells him, even though he may have been a hotshot in junior high, here in high school he is basically nothing. He is the lowest of the low. Wayne warns Kevin that if he catches him walking on the seal again, Kevin will get the boosh, the royal flush, basically a toilet swirly. Now it's lunchtime and Kevin sees Winnie sitting by herself and she smiles and waves him over. But not before Kevin is pushed out of the way by the entire football team who decides to sit at the table with her. What is this, better off dead? That cafeteria scene where Lane Meyer goes to ask a girl out and she's dating the whole basketball team? Literally, not just one guy, the whole team. Kevin finds a seat somewhere, and who pops up again? Stuart, who reminds Kevin of the time he got the pencil stuck up his nose. Is it all he remembers about Kevin? Are these embarrassing stories? That's all he can remember. Kevin doesn't remember this stuff happening, but this guy sure remembers. Now we move on to study hall, and to Kevin's disbelief, the guy, the teacher is that fucking Botner guy. What the fuck? He gets ready to go over Botner's rules or law until Kevin's like, oh, man, like, again, it's like, I already went through this shit earlier in U.S. government. I know the rules. I've heard them. I don't want to hear them again. He sees Kevin and zeroes in on him. Botner makes an example of the class, calling him out to the, makes an example of Kevin by calling him out to the class, asking him if he's got something to say. You know, being you're such a funny guy and all. A regular Jose Jimenez, I think that's what he said. Basically, I looked that guy up. He's a fictional character created and performed by Bill Dana on the, Scott, uh, the Steve Allen show in 1959 and who became increasingly popular during the 1960s. He then tells Kevin that he's sure the class wouldn't mind waiting even if they have to stay after class to hear Kevin's joke. Then the class turns on him quickly. Fuck this guy. Then we see Kevin later in the week taking driver's education and using a driving simulator with a big screen, like almost like a movie, a movie screen, projector screen. And he's at a, a simulated wheel and everything. And there's a little light that goes on whenever he makes a mistake. And of course, who is behind him? Stewart is the backseat driver calling out all of Kevin's mistakes. All right, that would get on my nerves. Kevin's pretty much getting tired of this. He's trying to be polite, but he is losing his cool. Mmm, excuse me. Mmm. Sorry, I'm drinking pop. And U.S. government, Botner is still on Kevin and has him do his paper over again, claiming he can't read his writing and his margins are off. And he didn't put the date in the right-hand corner. I remember that in school. We always put the, our name and the date and the class we were in and what hour. Even Kevin is like, what is this shit? This guy can go fuck himself, basically. Botner tells him, Botner's rules. Fuck your rules, guy. Do you just make them up as you go along? Kevin tells him he spent all night on the report. Bonner tells him. <laughs> now that's funny. Kevin spent all night on two pages. <laughs> what the hell was he doing the other 95% of his time during that night? 
Kevin decides to take his anger and aggression out on Paul in a basketball pickup game outside of Paul's house. Paul asks Kevin what his problem is, but Kevin shrugs it off and decides to make fun of Paul's cut-off-sleeved cut sweatshirt, telling him that sweatshirt makes you look like a geek. He basically plows over Paul and gets a basket, and Paul calls him Paul's foul, which rightly so. I mean, you knocked him out on his ass, fucked hard. Kevin disputes the foul, and Paul tells him a rule's a rule, and then Kevin goes off on him, taking, talking about how high school sucks, all these rules, don't walk here, don't talk, your margins are too wide, don't breathe. Then he says how great junior high used to be, and now he feels like the lowest of the low. Paul tells him that he likes his prep school. Paul is looking so good in the cutoff sleeve sweatshirt. Very nice. I like that he doesn't have his glasses anymore, so you get he gets to show off those really pretty blue eyes. Now Kevin's at home watching Tom and Jerry on the TV while scarfing down Doritos. Jack sits down on the couch and they grunt a greeting to each other. The next day in the hall, Kevin meets up with Winnie and she apologizes about the lunchroom and Kevin tells her to forget about it. And he opens, kind of opens up to her about, you know, high school not being what he expected and she tells him not to worry, you know, it'll get better. But then Kevin steps on the seal, oh my lord, and Wayne and Wart give him the royal flush, the boosh, and the toilet in the boys' bathroom. Ew, that has got to be so gross. I mean, how often do those toilets even get cleaned? I hope there wasn't pee or shit in them. Then to make matters worse, when Kevin comes out of the bathroom, Stuart comes back, follows Kevin in the hall, asking if he's going to be doing anything, like going to the football game, because they're going to TP some girl's house. I don't know who this girl is. After Kevin's pissed as fuck, having, after having his head dunked in the toilet, Kevin turns on Stuart, saying, Yo, we were never friends, not in fourth grade, and not now. And he tells Stuart to basically get lost, because he can't take it anymore. Well, yeah, someone who's pointing out all my faults and mistakes, but that would get hella old fast. In U.S. government, Botner is royally pissed because he had to walk five blocks because a substitute parked her pinto in his spot. Do the teachers have designated spots? Not to mention, how the hell? Five blocks? Oh my god, that's a hell of a ways to walk. Where the hell are you parking? He screams this at the class. He basically screams this at the class and tells them they're going to write 500 words on property rights in the U.S. Constitution. Um, is he paying for that parking spot? Because if not, he's got no case, so he should just stop bitching right now. He tells them no talking and adds, especially you, Arnold. He's got a fucking vendetta against this boy. Kevin speaks up for himself, like, what? I, I didn't do anything. Bonner tells him, ah, 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 I said no talking. Finally, Kevin's had enough, and he rips the page very slowly out of his notebook, out of his spiral notebook. <laughs> and then he looks around, and then one by one, well, basically, he, he the botner asks, you know, who did that? Kevin just holds that paper there, like, what are you going to do to me now? And then, all of a sudden, one by one, oh, Stuart is the next one, he's like... I'm going to join in this. I agree with you. I know that you, you know, got angry at me and everything, but I'm with you on this, buddy. We are all in this. Every kid has had enough of this guy's bullshit. And they rip out their pages out of their spiral notebooks like, 
rip, rip, rip. And basically, they've had enough of this guy. They're sending a fuck you message to him. Later that night, Kevin Stewart and other classmates TP that girl Cheryl Manning's house. Hell, TP Botner's house. I would. All right, that's the end of the episode, Wonderlings. Time for my Flower Power episode rating. I'm giving it three out of five flower power petals. One, for Stuart Carpazian. He is awesome. Two, for Paul's cut-off sleeved sweatshirt and no glasses. I love that. Three, Kevin and the classes revolt against Botner. I knocked off two flower power, pet- flower power petals because of Botner and because of Kevin whining about high school wasn't what junior high used to be. Wait a minute. Didn't he complain about ninth grade, too? All right. My Wonderling Words of Wisdom. High school supposedly being the best year of some people's lives, but not all. My high school years sucked big time, and I would never want to go back, especially with the way schools are today. Take each day as it comes and make the best of it. And know your best days are still yet to come. My quote of the episode. Narrator. That first week of high school, as I watched our class band together, I realized something about these strangers I just met. Strangers I hardly knew. Strangers who were just like me. We were all sharing the same feelings, the same fears, the same loneliness. We were just starting out, and there was only one direction to go. So we went. Together. Alright, Wonderlings, this is the last podcast episode for now. I'll see you all in October with... Season 3. As I said before, I'm doubling up on the episodes, and I'll probably be doing that when I start Season 4 in January. My goal is to hopefully finish the show in July. I want the last episode to be on July 4th, because it does center around that time, so we're gonna, we're gonna definitely shoot for that. You know, if you've known now with these special episodes... I love to do theme episodes. I will be doing one for Thanksgiving because they have a Thanksgiving themed episode. And also in December, when I take a break, uh, when I take a break there, I am doing the three. Um, I cannot talk. I'm doing the three Christmas episodes, and then I'll also be. I believe there's a New Year's one, so I think I'll be doing that on New Year's. So New Year's Eve. Alrighty, righty. You guys have a wonderful week, and just. Keep on keeping on. School's back in session. I know it's got to suck, but just think that one day school will be done, college will be done, junior high and high school will be done, and then you'll be out in the real world. Alrighty. Bye-bye, guys. See ya in October. Thank you.